Welcome to the Compass Catholic Changemaker Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kano. On this podcast, we talk about how to live with our money as Catholics. Hi, Changemakers. This is Caitlin Kano, and we're still working through the money map. We're on destination five this week. We've made it so far. And after this week, we only have two more destinations left in our journey. So you may have noticed we took a couple of weeks off with the podcast, and that's because we're working on a very exciting project at Compass Catholic. We were traveling. We were working like mad to get this project off the ground and running. So I want you to stick around to the end of this episode and I'll fill you in as to what we've been doing. It's so exciting. I'm just, I'm thrilled to be able to share this. All right, so back to the money map. This week we're on destination five. If you have not listened to the previous episodes where we walk through destination one through four, you can stop now. You can listen to those. Just make sure you come on back and we'll talk about destination five in this episode. This week we're gonna focus on the two um elements of destination five, which include purchasing an affordable home and or prepaying your home mortgage. And we're also going to talk about beginning investing in non-retirement accounts, because at this point, we've been investing in retirement accounts. We've been talking about a 401k, we talked about Roth IRAs and all those things. And when you get to destination five, you're to the point where you can invest in non-retirement accounts. But first, we're going to talk about purchasing an affordable home and prepaying your home mortgage. So why is it so important that we purchase an affordable house? Well, your house is probably the biggest decision and biggest purchase you'll ever make financially. And when you're dealing with such large numbers, like in the six figure large numbers, it's so easy to lose track of the value of a dollar. And so many professionals that you're gonna be dealing with They're going to be helping you make decisions and helping you decide how much to spend. And when they make these professional recommendations, you have to keep in mind that they make more money the more you spend on a house. (laughs) That's usually how it goes. And it's not that they're doing anything unethical or they're doing anything wrong, but you just need to keep that in mind that you need to advocate for yourself during this process. This applies not only to the price of the house, but also the interest rate you're going to be paying, and the closing cost you're going to be paying with the price of that house. So just keep that in mind. They're not doing anything unethical usually, but the more you spend, the more they tend to make. So you really got to advocate for yourself. When you're determining how much home you can afford, the interest rate makes a world of difference. Now, our interest rates right now are at very historic lows, um, and we really haven't seen these kind of lows in a long time, if ever. And being off by even half a percent can mean the difference between a good decision and a bad decision. So interest rates are really important. Maintaining a high credit score, um, making sure that you're not being out of the realm of what you can afford so that interest rates stay as low as possible. They make a really big difference. And also, first-time homebuyers tend to be really surprised when they discover how much money goes into closing costs. If you've ever purchased a home before, it's eye-opening, right? And so those first-time home buyers really should be aware how much money goes into closing costs. And more often than not, those closing costs, they tend to get rolled up in the loan instead of being paid up front. 
If that's part of your plan, make sure you add at least 2% to the home's total cost when calculating your payment because those closing costs can really add up. Ideally, you're paying those closing costs up front rather than wrapping them to your loan. But if that's your plan, you got to know it's going to increase the price of your home. So how much house can you afford? There's a lot of different ratios out there that will tell you um, how much house you can afford based on your income level and your debt load and all these different things. The standard debt to income ratio that's used in the mortgage industry is called 2836. And you're probably going to hear this term as you go through the mortgage process, right? And what this says is that your total monthly debt payments should not exceed 36% of your pre-tax, also known as your gross income, with a maximum of 28% going towards housing, all right? So it's like a mortgage industry standard, 2836, and you're gonna hear this term. The first thing I want you to know about that 2836 rule is that it's not a rule used in financial planning. (laughs) It's not a rule that your financial planner would tell you, it's a rule that the mortgage lenders are going to tell you. And what they use this, this ratio for is determining how much loan you can afford. The rule states that you shouldn't spend more than 28% of your gross income on housing, and that includes your principal, your interest, your taxes, and your insurance. Then your total loan payments, housing plus all your other debt, should not exceed 36% of your gross income. Okay? It's important to look at this ratio from both the lender's perspective and also the consumer's perspective. For the lender, the purpose of the 2836 rule is to determine the largest amount of debt a person can have. That's what they're trying to figure out here is how much debt can you possibly handle? In other words, this is the largest amount of debt that banks have found that you can take on and still have a reasonable chance of paying back. Loaning you as much money as possible maximizes the bank's bottom line, not your personal finances, okay? So just keep that in mind. This ratio is one that the lenders have figured out where that you have a reasonable chance of paying back the loan and it still maximizes their profit. Now, what you really need to figure out is how much house you can afford. I would ignore that 28, 36% rule because what they're going to tell you is how much house they feel like you can afford to possibly make the payments on. We're not going for that here. We're trying to figure out how much house you can reasonably afford and still accomplish your financial goals and act as a good steward of what the Lord has blessed you with. All right. So when it comes to how much house you can really afford, there's really two rules of thumb that I want you to keep in mind. And also, Rules of thumb are just that. They're rules of thumb. You're going to have to assess it based on your personal situation, where you're living, um, you, you know, all these different things that you have going on personally. These are just rules of thumb and they're ones that you should consider, but also take into account your personal situation. So first you want to put a down payment of at least 20% on the purchase price. 20% is a lot of money, but you want to have a 20% down payment. This eliminates the need for you to carry expensive mortgage insurance. PMI is a term you may hear. And if you don't have 20% equity in the house, you're going to have to pay PMI. PMI only protects the lender. It does not protect you. So you're paying for someone else's insurance. The larger your down payment, the smaller your required monthly payments will be. 
And smaller payments also make it easier for you to afford larger prepayments, speeding up the day when you can burn down your mortgage and be done with it, right? And starting with at least 20% equity protects you from becoming upside down in your mortgage, which is when your debt is greater than the value of your home. If you live through that 2008 recession, which my husband and I did, you know that being upside down in a mortgage is not a good thing. So having that 20% down protects you from that possibility. The second rule of thumb is that your total housing expenses, and this includes your mortgage payment, this includes your real estate taxes, this includes your utilities, this includes your insurance, this includes your maintenance, all these different things, should not exceed 40% of your gross income. And when I'm talking maintenance, you should be budgeting at least 1% to 2% of the value of the home every year for things like the occasional new roof, replacing AC, things like that. So you want to add all those things up and make sure they don't exceed 40% of your gross income. If these combined expenses exceed 40% of your income, you'll need to reduce spending in other categories. So this is just a rule of thumb, and I want you to assess your personal situation. If you live in rural Alabama and you earn 200000 a year, you should probably be well below that 40% mark. But if you live in San Francisco and you earn $80,000 a year, your percentage may be higher. Now, that person in Alabama probably needs to account for more transportation cost, gas expense for the car, and things like that because they're going to need access to those um, amenities. The person who lives in San Francisco can probably use public transportation, doesn't have to pay for parking because that transportation. So you're going to have to adjust your numbers to your situation, but it's a good rule of thumb to keep in mind. All right, so that's how we figure out how much house we can really afford and still be working towards our goal, all of our goals, and be acting as good stewards of the gifts the Lord has blessed us with. The second element of this is to begin prepaying your mortgage. So this applies to the person who's owned their home for 20 years, and this also applies for the person who has just purchased their home. For most of us, our home mortgage is our largest expense. Without a mortgage, you can enjoy greater financial stability, right? Because you're not worried about that big payment every month. It could free up a large part of your income. So either you could give more generously to the work of Christ, or you can invest more aggressively, or you can also work towards your goal of true financial freedom much quicker than having that mortgage payment every single month. There are several ways to accelerate the payment on your home mortgage. If it behooves you because the conditions are favorable and you can afford a shorter term mortgage, you may want to go and get a 10 or 15 year mortgage instead of that 30-year mortgage. Now, this applies for new mortgages and also people who are looking to refinance. The interest rates are normally much lower than the 30-year interest rate, and the outstanding balance shrinks much faster. You can also accelerate the repayment of your mortgage simply by paying an extra amount every month. You can contact your lender and you can figure out how this can be done, or you can do this on the lender's website. And all you have to do is prepay your mortgage every month. After you make your monthly payment, you can put an additional amount down towards the principal. Make sure you note that it's principal that you're prepaying, and you're going to see that mortgage go down much quicker than just making the the minimum monthly payments. All right, so the next element of Destination 5 is to begin investing in those non-retirement accounts. 
So we talked about saving for retirement that we want to aim for at least that 10, ideally 15% range that we're putting towards retirement. But if you're already doing that and you're prepaying on your mortgage or your mortgage is paid off, this is when you can start investing in non-retirement accounts. Um, and this is really when things start kind of get, getting cool here. But I want to talk about the principles of investing, um, biblical principles. So you have these to keep in mind when you're making decisions that are best for you and your situation. So first, the fundamental principle for becoming a successful investor is to spend less than you earn and regularly invest the surplus. In other words, you want to be a steady plotter. We've talked about this before, and in Proverbs 21.5, we read that steady plotting brings prosperity. Nothing replaces consistent month after month investing. Regardless of the economy or the investment climate, just do it. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to time the market. Steady plotting month after month will yield wonderful results. Second, seek the advice of an investment professional. If you're not an experienced investor, I would not Facebook it. I would not put a message out to one of these groups and just wait and see what someone says. You want to seek the advice of an investment professional. And we recommend you use a financial planner or an investor when you begin investing. Usually an advisor who understands the Bible and what the Bible says about money can make a huge difference in the quality of their advice. We suggest that you shop for an investment professional any way you would shop for any other professional, like a doctor or a lawyer. Ask some trusted friends with like values who they recommend. Gather several options. Maybe distill it down to three so you're not going to drive yourself crazy. And then start interviewing those options. Like I said, you want to interview at least three candidates before choosing one to whom you're most comfortable. Um, but just like any other professional, like you would shop for a doctor or a lawyer, that's how you want to shop for an investment professional. Third, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, this is chapter 11, verse 2, to divide your portions into seven or eight, for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. No investment is guaranteed, and money can be lost on any of these investments. That can be stocks, that can be bonds, that can be real estate, that can be gold, that can be you name it. Any investment can perform well or it can perform poorly. And each type of investment has its own advantages and its disadvantages. Since the perfect investment doesn't exist, (laughs) risk is the name of the game, right? There is no perfect investment. We need to diversify and not put all of our eggs in one basket. And this insight applies whether you decide on buying residential real estate properties, commercial real estate, investing in businesses, investing in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, anything. You want to make sure you're well diversified. You don't know what misfortune may incur on the earth. I love that wisdom that was covered thousands of years ago in Ecclesiastes. It still applies to this day. All right, guys. So I mentioned at the beginning of this episode that we spent a couple of weeks traveling and working on a very exciting ministry project. I'm so excited about this. I wish I had better words, but this is just something we've been praying for. It's coming together, and we spent the past couple of weeks just working on it, and last week we were traveling. So John Bean, our co-founder, Jenny Abara, our business manager, and I, we traveled to Lexington, Kentucky, to record videos to pair with Faith and Money Matters, our Bible study, the six-week study on all things financial discipleship. We were somehow able to bring together several amazing people to film 
We have people who are giving testimonials. We have priests who are speaking to the topics from a biblical perspective. And the goal of all these videos is to get the small group discussion rolling and to alleviate some of the workload on our facilitators. They're beautiful. It's, it's coming together wonderfully, and we're so excited about it and just consider ourselves blessed that this all came together so well. Faith and Money Matters is one of those Bible studies you can repeat several times and you get something new every single time. And parishes need this message now more than ever. So if you're interested in hosting a small group study with the new video content, email us at info at compasscatholic.org. You can also go to our website, sign up for a newsletter. We're going to update you there as to the progress and, and when they're going to be officially rolling out. You can also like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and get those updates that way. So. If you have not done Faith and Money Matters in a while, now is the time to redo it. Bring it to your parish. Facilitate a small group study in your home. Whatever you feel comfortable doing, um, this video content is going to be game-changing for the study. We're so excited. All right, changemakers, have a wonderful week, and God bless. God bless.